G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz, and this is episode number 52 of the Outback Mine podcast. Talking about eating for our body types today, uh, which is probably pretty uncommon for a lot of you out there. We uh, don't really understand um, what our body type actually is and, uh, and how to fuel that properly. I think uh, in this Western culture, it's just one size fits all. Primarily, we don't, uh, don't really respect uh, that everyone is different. And um, Mark Bunn is coming along today to talk to us about what we can do to actually become more aware of what body type we actually are and so we can actually fill our bodies better. And that will also have a tremendous impact on our mental health because I really believe a lot of us are really unconscious with uh, how the gut and brain are communicating and what the gut's actually consistently telling the brain. And uh, that has a, a significant um, uh, effect on our mental well-being. So if we can get that right now, our gut's happy, then our, our, our mental health becomes a lot better. We just don't pay enough attention and respect to that. We've got a really reactive uh, approach in Australia, I believe, um, to our mental well-being. We sort of go and uh, seek help when something's wrong, but my real passion and vision is to have a pre-ability approach and be able to help people, uh, particularly you guys out there, understand that... Uh, the body's always trying to teach us and, and Mark's a tremendous teacher of that. So we're going to get lots of um, tips, tricks and wisdom from him today. So really uh, hope you uh, sit back and enjoy this conversation. You might find some of the uh, terminology is a little bit challenging, but I just uh, I encourage you to embrace that and, uh, and maybe do some further research after the podcast finished. Also, I would like to uh, pay uh, special uh, mention to our uh, primary partners, which are Green Nutritionals, who provide green organic superfoods. I uh, really encourage you to check out their website. It's greennutritionals.com.au. And also, really happy to have uh, Pure Life Bakery on board as a partner. They, they make uh, organic sprouted bread, which is great for our digestion. So if you're a bread eater, uh, this bread is much better for the body. It actually like digests much, much, much easier than uh, traditional bread because it's sprouted and it's all organic products. And they also make you know, eight or nine different types of, of, of breads, so sweet breads and also some awesome um, you know, general breads uh, that have got awesome flavours and so forth. So I really encourage you to check out their website also. It's purelife.com.au. Alrighty, that's... Uh, Sit back, or well, I hope you can sit back and enjoy Mark and I going at it here with regards to body types. It's something I'm pretty passionate about, uh, the, the nutritional side of things, and Mark's an expert in that field, so I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Mark Bunn, welcome back to the Outback Mind podcast. All right, great to be back. <laughs> it's, it's been, uh, probably only been about three, three four months, uh, probably four months since you are on here last time, mate, but there's been lots of people... Uh, coming to me saying that they really enjoyed our last conversation. Um, they got lots from that, so I thought it was really uh, important um, to, to get you back on at some stage and talk about the, uh, I suppose, the intricacies of, 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 of physiology within humans and what um, our body types are like and sort of how to be a bit more smart and intuitive to eat towards which particular body type we actually are, which a lot of us... Um, I suppose out here in Australia, in regional Australia, don't really understand. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating topic. And uh, when I first heard about it myself, I was really intrigued. You know, in the Western sort of model, it's, you know, the first question that happens when you go to a doctor or a health professional, it's, you know, what's wrong with you? And, you know, you tell them you, you know, got joint pain or you acid reflux. And, but in the traditional wisdoms and the traditional cultures and my training in Ayurvedic medicine, the first question that any health professional or Ayurvedic doctor would ask is, who am I talking to? Uh, because the understanding was that we're all very different, you know, we might all be a 35 or a 40 year old male living in the outback or regional Australia, but three different men of the exact same birth date can have completely different physiology, so how they process food, whether they have a slow metabolism or a fast metabolism, how they 
process information, you know, what they're like in relationships and all these sorts of things. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to diving into uh, what I think is a really interesting uh, topic for everyone. So, um, <clears throat> so say if I'm a, uh, a five foot eleven, uh, slightly built uh, individual uh, that has a quick metabolism. Uh, I suppose I'm quite lucky in, in some sense, uh, some some sense there with regards to that. But we won't go sort of too deep into the uh, into the, the doshas, what's called doshas in um, in Eastern cultures, but. So I say someone, for someone of my body type, I would be eating differently than what you would possibly eat being a, you know, a 95 kilo man at uh, six foot three or four. Exactly. And not just, not just diet, but, but everything. And, and probably worth taking a, a quick step back just to set the framework. And, you know, even the latest modern science today are things like personalized medicine and personalized nutrition. CSIRO, you know, coming out with these, how we should personalise our diet. You know, a diet should be different for each individual. And this is basically the ancient wisdom. So thousands of years ago, they understood that there's three fundamental principles in life. There's, we could call it an airy principle. You know, it governs all movement and communication. There's a fiery principle, which governs all metabolism and processing and dynamism. And there's a earthy principle, which is about the structure, you know, the physical lubrication and the physical structure. And so each one of us are born with all three of these principles, but the proportion differs. So one person might have a predominance of airy qualities, and you just describe them, you know, they might be slimmer build, they can eat whatever they want, they never put on weight, I call them bastards, I've got that physiology, <laughs> they're quick thinkers, you know, they're light on their feet, and then some people are more predominant in the fiery principle, you know, they're real highly competitive, they're motivated, they've got a lot of fire and dynamism, they're often really successful business people and athletes, and um, they burn up food really quickly, strong digestion. And then there's a third type that are more earthy. You know, they're very grounded, they're slow to get going, but they have great endurance, they've got a slower metabolism, they're the sort of people that they say, you know, I just look at a bit of chocolate cake or, chocolate cake or have, you know, one beer and I put on two kilograms, you know. Mm. And so we're all a blend of these three. No one's one or the other. We're a blend, but we have a predominance. So... Your example, someone has a really airy predominant type, for them to eat cold salads and raw food and have cold ice baths, all these things that are sometimes recommended for health, can actually create really deep imbalances for these people. They'll get migraines, they'll get insomnia, you know, they get really anxious and nervous. Whereas for someone who has a much more um, fiery disposition, you know, an ice bath can be absolutely fantastic for them. Take out the inflammation. Someone who has an earthy predominant body type is going to want to eat more spicy foods, more stimulating foods to stimulate their metabolism, exercise that makes them sweat more so that they come into balance. And this is the real underlying theme. All of us have to understand what our constitution is, what our underlying nature is, so that we can adjust what foods, what exercise, what relationships we have, what work we do, so that we stay in balance. And when we're in balance, we're naturally happy, good energy, we sleep well, etc. Mm. Really interesting, Mark. Um, obviously, it's very similar to our mental health. Now, an individual may go into uh, a physician and, uh, and say that they're not feeling so well, and all of a sudden, the clinical approach pretty much goes straight towards... Um, a chemical enhancement, but um, primarily, is there a lot of cons consideration around uh, the body type with regards to someone that may be feeling anxious or depressed? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Ayurvedic, the Ayurvedic texts, these are texts that have been around for, you know, five, six thousand years. You can still go back and, and read them. And they, in very explicit detail, talk about how the these principles also have mental and emotional expressions in each of us. So an airy predominant person, when they get stressed, it's like there's too much 
space and air and they become ungrounded. They're the sort of people that, you know, they become spacey. They can't remember things and they're, they're just not resilient. They can't sort of cope with all the demands of life. And they, these people are very prone to that anxiety, you know, the bite the fingernails type, always worried about things, a lot of fear. And so the, the fiery types, those with more heat, when they get stressed, they tend to get too hot. They get hot under the collar. You know, they get angry, they get aggressive, they get really critical of themselves, they get critical of others. So mental health issues for them are more around things like, you know, shame. They're very conscious of how they are perceived by other people. And, um, you know, they get very critical of themselves if they don't have the six-pack and they've got no, you know, the bulging muscles and they're not looking good physically. And so that's sort of a source of their mental health Issues And then the third type, the, the earthy types, are the real textbook type depression. Because they're heavier by nature, they tend to hold on to things. Um, and so emotionally and mentally, they tend to hold on to old emotions and they get down on themselves. You know, just as they, they keep weight on, they're often more prone to obesity or being overweight, diabetes. They're also more prone to sort of hanging on to those old issues and they sort of ponder on things they said or what someone else said to them and they're that classic sort of melancholy depression type um, heaviness so yeah understanding our nature and therefore we can actually use things even though we think of mental health as purely something in between the ears the traditional understanding of the foods we eat for example significantly affect our mental health an earthy person who's prone to being depressed and melancholy, having really lighter foods, more stimulating foods, more spices, will actually help them mentally and emotionally. An airy type who's prone to being really anxious and worried and sort of away with the fairies and not feeling grounded, if they have more heavier food, more sort of meaty casseroles, more oil, more salt, all the things we're often told are not good for us are actually really good for these people they nourish the nervous system they keep them grounded and so they feel stronger physically with themselves which then helps them feel better emotionally and stronger mentally mm. mark um, my dad is in a nursing home and um, since he's been in there his mental health has declined considerably um, he's got dementia and so forth but everyone's getting fed the same food in there um you know and his body type is very similar to mine uh he wouldn't be eating to his body type i wouldn't i wouldn't imagine and that's probably had a significant um effect on his decline yeah well there's it's very interesting when you talk about you know nursing homes i did a talk up in um the northern territory a week or two back to a group of nurses and it's part of a conference, they were putting a petition to their government that the the food that are in hospitals needs to be better. You know, the food you get in a hospital is not conducive to healing and health. And it's, you know, much the same in many nursing homes. And even aside from body type, it's really an issue of just the quality of the food. You know, when you have food, according to Ayurveda, that's old food, which means you've cooked, you know, it's been cooked and then it's been left, you know, for a few days or it's been put in the fridge or it's been frozen for a few weeks or it's been shuttled off from one corner of the globe to another and <laughs> been sort of reheated and um, put in the microwave for someone sitting in the nursing home. It's just, it lacks what we call prana or life force. So in Ayurveda, the most important thing in terms of the food we eat is not how many calories it has or what percentage of good fats or bad fats or all these things these are, can be important but it's whether it has life force and when we eat that food with a lot of life force like you're walking out in the natural environment there's an orange tree or an apple tree and you pick it directly from the, the tree and you eat it and it's like the all the cells of your body get this spark of energy and engagement and enlivenment and then you go home and you eat you know the heated up from three weeks ago that you know you zap in the microwave and it's got no life force and you sort of just feel heavier and duller so I think this is the real key issue for people like your father and those in you know particularly hospitals and nursing homes and even in our own homes that 
You know, this idea of nutrition really comes from, you know, the spark within the, the cells of our body when we get fresh, natural, sort of what we call high intelligence or high prana food. Mm, interesting. So looking at mum and dad at home with three kids, would it be fair to say that all their body types would be different? Uh, definitely, yes. What happens very commonly in relationships, particularly relationships that last a long time and there's good compatibility, is that there's a nice balance or an opposite sort of synthesis of um, body types. So, for an example, you know, someone who's very airy by nature, they will tend to attract or enjoy being with someone who's more earthy by nature and vice versa. You know, the earthy person that is a bit slower to get going and maybe takes a bit more time to get motivated to try new things naturally get that from their partner because their partner's more sort of energised and, you know, let's try this and they've sort of got this creative energy to them. Someone who's very hot by nature, got a lot of heat in their body, this sort of fiery type, can also be really nicely balanced by someone who's more down to earth and just, you know, a slower pace, that sort of sweet disposition. So, um, yes, relationships. And then with children, very common that, you know, three children and they'll all have their own personalities and sort of um, the way they enjoy different types of food. So the mother or father, you know, cooks a beautiful dinner and one of the children absolutely loves it and loves it. We have more of that and another child thinks it's all right, but not that fast and the other one's sort of digging their fork in it for, you know, 30 minutes and, you know, can I leave the table and, you know, I want something else, can we have pizza? And uh, so and that makes, makes, might make it sound like it's difficult for a parent to feed the family, but it's not what you do is you just have the, the general basic foods, whether it's, you know, some meat, some vegetables, some rice or whatever it is, and then you just use different sort of like condiments for different people. So someone who needs a bit more spice in their food just adds a bit, you know, ginger to it or some pepper and the person who's sensitive to too much heat and needs foods to be cooler maybe just has a bit more salad on the side, some green salad or some um, dairy products or some coconut milk, you know, they drizzle that on theirs, it takes the heat out. The person that needs um, more sort of settling and nourishment, that airy type, just adds a bit more salt or a bit more oil or some avocado, you know, so they just balance it out. So the family still eats just the normal meal that they otherwise would. And then if anyone needs to sort of adjust things for their their state of balance, you just add some sort of things to it like that. So, so say for an adult, how could they be conscious about what their body's teaching them rather than what their ego's telling them to do? Yeah, well, that's a beautiful question because it's really the essence of all the traditional Eastern wisdom is that our bodies are our own best doctors, you know, our bodies are actually telling us in each moment what we need for balance. You know, when we're hungry, it's telling us we need to have some food. It'll actually also usually give us some indication of what types of food, you know. We need more salty food. Do we need more sour food? Do we need something a bit sort of heavy, heavier and grounding or something a bit more stimulating? What exercise, you know, time to get the body moving and what type? And So in Ayurveda, it's called self referral consciousness and that is we actually need to stop and listen to the body the body has its own innate wisdom that will actually tell us what foods and what amount of foods at what time our body needs you know we just need to listen to that feedback you know you do some exercise or you meet a new person a new relationship or you start a new job is it does it feel enjoyable does it make the body sort of feel light and sort of happy that's a signal that, yeah, this is good for us. If we do something and we feel sort of heavy or stressed or sort of dull in the head, then that's feedback that maybe that's not quite balancing for us. So, um, yeah, that's no, a really, really good point Interesting. brought out there. Trust the body first and then go with the, the sort of the mind or the intellect or the, the expert externally uh, as a second port of call. And and really we've been... We've been um led towards that external um, through watching TV and being promoted to have Panadol or have Voltaren or have something which is going to mask the issue 
we've never really been mm. educated on what is actually happening and why there's there's a trigger that's that's going on and why that trigger might be uh, be occurring and being able to address that. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And you know that's probably just a, a symptom of our sort of modern approach over the last few hundred years. And as we know, and, and I know you agree that you know in certain times modern medicine absolutely fantastic. I'm about to go to the doctor after this podcast for a sort of a check-in uh, but we just need to we need to use that in the right way and you know it's very good at diagnosing certain things for us letting us know where we've got off track but we all sort of want to balance that with you know what our own intuition is telling us and, and this is what really good doctors will do they won't just tell you what you should do they'll actually ask you what you feel you know and so it's a two-way conversation i think this is really important when particularly as men um we have these conversations with our health professionals and our doctors that we try and find ones that you know are willing to more have a conversation it's a two-way street that you know this is what they recommend are the options and you know how you feel about it and then it allows us to use our own sort of internal cues and what our body's telling us and and then we generally get the best outcomes. So, mm, interesting. Yeah, uh, I think we've we've really outsourced our health a lot. Um, if we can outsource a small percentage of our health, uh, our health to be able to get some advice when we need it, and and just to have those those check ins, like you're saying. But really, the the wisdom is within us. We're just got to really, I suppose, pay attention to that and learn um what the body's trying to actually teach us and then be able to ask questions from that space i guess might be a bit more um wise than actually going and seeking advice from someone that's not actually feeling into the body i, I guess as much yeah no i think as you said it's a, that balance you know we can certainly get advice from uh, from others sometimes other people see our issues much clearer than we do ourselves so um you know a good doctor or a good Sort of health professional or even a, a partner or a relative or a friend you know they'll often sort of pick up things that we don't see ourselves we have these blind spots but then what we do is we don't necessarily have to do exactly what they've pointed out or suggest we then run that through our own sort of mind and our own sort of internal assessment and does that does this feel right you know how do i feel about this and you know and so we get the best of, best of both worlds, I think, um, is the way to go. So, but as you said, in a wisdom, that's the real sort of underlying theme of all these traditional cultures because, you know, a century ago, and let alone a thousand years ago, they didn't have, you know, the Surgeon General from some prestigious university telling them to do this and mm. magazines and journals and online articles and experts who have written books. You know, everywhere you look these days, there's an expert telling you to do something in terms of your health. And what I often say in my corporate talks is inevitably what one person says one week, someone else will tell you the exact opposite the next week. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so it yeah. can be very confusing. And so the only way to sort of negotiate or navigate through this confusion that often abounds in our modern sort of lives is is that inner wisdom. And, and the key for most of us, particularly men, but women as well is that challenge of just stopping mm. just slowing down not working all the time not always doing something so that we can actually get the rest that we need and just stopping long enough that we can actually tune in to um, what the body might be telling us so i think that's one of the real challenges and certainly something i'm still always uh trying to improve at um which yeah. is uh which is tough when you always want to you're doing good things or achieving something and you've got busy lives, which uh, which most people do today. Yeah, just getting off track a little bit, that's why I love teaching uh, yin yoga because it actually gives people structure that they can tune out of the mind and feel into the body so the body is actually giving them feedback on what's going on and by the time the class is finished, they're back to that neutrality again in the mind their body's got that, that, that tremendous stretch and uh, it actually makes them conscious of what's going on below the shoulders, which is... Uh, which is a great thing, and um, and that actually helps uh, the the nutritional side because they want to help their body work better, and maybe they'll make better choices with regards to what they're eating. Mark and I was going to ask, you know, the traditional staples in Western diets that we have, you know, particularly here in in regional Australia, is primarily wheat based, um, and uh, you know, lots of gluten uh, through through the bakery foods and breads and 
um, other bits and pieces. Uh, but we really have um, uh, a bit of an awakening going on now with regards to uh, what can be better alternatives to uh, our staples in our diet? What other what other things would be would be uh, a common staple in a Westerners' diet other than say wheat products? Uh, well, I think you've you've touched on obviously the, the heavy meat diets and dairy diets. The A8 perspective is that none of these foods are bad necessarily. Every every food can be a medicine. There's a great Story in the traditional text about you know a um, a doctor who sends his his students out in the forest to collect something in the forest that can't be used as a medicine, and they all come back with all these wheelbarrows full of you know barks of trees and certain leaves and bits of soil and and for days this young guy called Javika and and he doesn't return and they finally send out a search party and they bring him back and his wheelbarrow's empty and. Anyway, the doctor goes around and asks them all about what they've found and they finally get to Javika and he, he says, and I notice you haven't found anything. Your wheelbarrow is empty. How can you explain this? And he says, you know, I've been around the forest and there's nothing I've found that can't be used as a medicine. You know, even the chirping of a bird and the sounds of the river and the smell of the flowers can all, on the right occasions, help to balance and heal the body and he says yes very good you've passed the test da, da, da. so the, the point is that meat for a certain person at a certain time can be exactly what they need but what's happened in our western approach over the last um you know few decades is that we just eat far too much meat for most people far too much unprocessed old dairy products um unprocessed um, refined wheat products, um, as you say, these are things that the body can't process easily. So it's not that they're bad, it's just the proportion in our diet has got out of whack. And I think what you're alluding to is just the abundance of research now sort of moving the other side that a staple diet is just really fresh, wholesome um, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains. And then if you want to be a meat eater, then the meat is a smaller portion of the meal. If you eat wheat, then try and source products where you're getting whole wheat, you know, or a better, like a spelt flour that's less refined so it doesn't sort of spark our whole insulin response and all that sort of thing. It's eating dairy. Dairy is very hard because dairy can be a very healthy food according to Ayurveda, but what we've done to it in our modern culture, we process the crap out of it. Imagine, take milk. If you drink milk directly from a, a cow, you know, the same morning that it's milked, most people find it beautifully tasty, it's nourishing, they just feel wonderful, it's warm, it's easy to digest, but we take that milk, we put it in a can, we put it in the back of a truck, we drive it thousands of kilometres, we freeze it, we then we process the crap out of it, we smash all the fat molecules in a process called homogenisation, we pasteurise it. Um, we take some of the fat out, we want skim milk or low-fat milk, and we do all these things to it. Then we put it in the fridge in our home, and then we take it out of the fridge, and we might put it in the microwave, or we put it cold on our cereal, and then have some orange juice with it, and the orange juice reacts with the milk, and we, mm -hmm. we end up having all these problems. We can't digest it, we get allergies, we say, oh, milk's no good for us, or dairy's no good for us. Or it's actually just the modern way we consume it, which is... Um, most of the problem in many cases. So just getting back to, again, just that simple sort of more natural diet where we can and, and those living in more regional locations actually often have a benefit where they can sometimes source, you know, more locally grown um, foods and um, and their meats, their meats of, of a better quality. Um, so um, pros and cons. Mm, interesting, yeah. With regards to what the body's trying to teach us, a lot of people would experience brain fog, like they just feel fuzzy in the head or sort of low after eating foods. What would that be uh, in relation to what our body's trying to teach us? Uh, yeah, well, brain fog can have a lot of different causes. So um, one would have to try and locate the exact cause for them. But... Um, two possibilities with food. It's the same 
sort of analogy I often use with people who fall asleep after lunch. You know, in the traditional cultures, the understanding is it's not just the food we eat, but even more important is how we digest it. So digestion of food is actually more important than the exact food we eat. Because if you have a poor digestion, you have a low fire, what's called an agni in Ayurveda, then you can put the best food in the world into the stomach, but if there's no fire to cook it, that food is useless. It actually gets turned into um, undigested food and what Ayurveda considers you know, toxins in many cases. But if you have a really strong, healthy digestion, a strong fire, then even if the food you put in is not absolutely perfect, the body being intelligent will actually absorb and assimilate the nutrients that it needs, and anything that's not so good, it'll eliminate as a waste product. And so digestion is actually like the engine of a car. It's much better to have a really well-functioning engine, and maybe the oil you put in it is maybe not 100% perfect, than having the best oil in the world, but you have a really dodgy engine. And so we need to have both of those things together, ideally. So this is sort of the sort of going off on a tangent to your question, but I think it's really, really important because we tend to focus 90% on, you know, the food. You know, what am I eating? What's the person eating? This food, that food. And we don't always realise it's the lack of a good quality digestion that's creating the problem. And so brain fog can be either of these two. It's like the analogy, you go and put petrol in your high-performance racing car and five minutes down the road, your car conks out. There's either one of two problems. One is the quality of the fuel that you've put in is not very good. So the quality of the food, maybe it's unprocessed, it's highly refined, um, that can often cause brain fog. Or there's something wrong with the engine and that in the analogy, is our digestion. You actually put good quality food in and then you still get brain fog and you think, well, you know, what's happening? You know, I'm eating really good food. I'm eating what I've been told to eat. You know, it's fresh. It's, you know, lots of vegetables and I still feel brain fog. Then you want to start looking at, well, what's happening with my digestion? Mm. You know, have I been eating a lot when I'm stressed? Have I been eating a lot when I'm busy and on the run? Do I eat a lot of cold foods and drinks, you know, like, won't go into it now, but iced water, you know, a classic thing in Western culture is drinking really cold iced water or cold drinks with ice cubes, which actually dull the digestive fire. It's like putting the fire out. Mm. So if you put the fire out and then you eat even good quality food, there's nothing to digest it. So instead of digesting that food, building up healthy tissues and creating energy and vitality in a clear focused mind, we create this sort of undigested byproducts that Ayurveda calls armour and it blocks the channels. It blocks the channels in the in the brain and in the mind and throughout the body and therefore everything doesn't work as well. And this is commonly what we get with uh, with brain fog. So if someone feels that they've got a good diet but they're 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 getting brain fog and, and that type of thing what could they do outside of eating food that could improve their uh, their digestion? So some of the keys with digestion, the, the analogy I use again is is like a campfire. We call it in the in the Ayurvedic tradition, it's called an agni, and it's literally like a fire in the in the belly. And we know from modern medicine, you know, digestion works through the principle of heat. And all the acids and the enzymes have to be in a certain temperature range and a pH range to, to digest the food. And so if we think of a fire, all the things that will keep the fire strong will improve digestion. Anything that will put a fire out will tend to compromise digestion. So eating food when we're sitting down is really important. A lot of people I see... They eat standing up, you know, they're at a party or they're on the run and they, you know, eat the meat pie while they're running off to the next meeting or they're walking down the street on their phone. And so the digestive fire is going to do what? It's going to get thrown around the place. It's like the wind, someone opens the door and the wind starts fanning the fire, puts the fire out. So we want to just actually sit down and be settled when we eat. 
you know, some people like to say a grace or a little prayer or just, you know, be thankful for the food. This really helps settle the, the body. And then eating slowly. These are all really basic things that most people we don't do because they're almost like too simple. But just chewing the food. So we're watching, someone's watching telly and the footy's on on a Friday night. We're chowing down on the pizza. And most people don't even notice that whether they're chewing or they're not chewing or, you know, the pizza's gone down in two gulps and swig down with a bit of beer, which is all fine. But just slowing down so we chew the food properly, we eat it slower, give the body a chance to actually get those enzymes and acids in to digest. And then avoiding, as I just touched on before, any really cold foods or cold drinks, particularly around the meal time. Um, so at dinner time, um, you preferably don't have a big bowl of ice cream straight after your meal or during the day, particularly in the cold weather, you don't have cup couples of ice cold water or ice cold drinks, just sort of more lukewarm, slightly warm even in winter and have your colder foods or those heavier foods more in the middle of the day when the weather's warmer and the sun's warmer because when the sun is high in the sky, it means our own internal sun, the digestive fire is also stronger so we can, we can digest those colder foods during the day much better than we can at night. And these, these types of things will all really help digestion keep the digestion strong so we get the most out of the food that we eat mm. and certainly like having uh, a few beers and a cold beer after you've eaten wouldn't be great for your digestion as well um uh, no and it's probably worth touching on um one point that we haven't yet and that is that is that i always sort of come back to in all my my podcast and that is just the enjoyment of life you know, and I know many listeners, you know, will be guys that are in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s that like a beer and a bit of pizza and, and it's fantastic, you know, but we just understand that there's a part of life which is for, you know, enjoying letting your hair down and connecting with your friends and your mates, but there's also principles of health and longevity. So, yeah, you know, you have a beer with the guys, um, no problem. But when you're at home, for example, more during the week when it's not a Saturday night at the footy club, then just incorporating more of these principles for our long-term health. So the old 80-20 rule that, you know, often we come back to. Do 80% what's in tune with good health, you know, heavier foods during the day, lighter foods, not so much the ice cream and the cold beers late at night during the week. And then on the weekend, you know, let your hair down, have fun, don't follow the rules too strictly and uh, just keep that nice balance to, to everything. So if someone's waking up in the morning and they're quite lethargic and heavy, their body's obviously been working hard to, to process the foods overnight. That's probably the, the, the signs and symptoms that they're probably eating too much at night time and then their body's sort of giving them a, a bit of a reminder that, um, that it's been working hard when it should have been resting and replenishing. Totally, yes. I often use a, a birthday sparkle. You know those sparklers you put on birthday cakes? And what I do is I light it and, it, you know, it starts to sparkle and it's, it's bright and it's sort of dynamic. And I talk about this is like the digestive fire during the day when the sun's at its peak. If we put in food at that time in the middle of the day, the body's just at its maximum to digest it, absorb the nutrients, which is when we need it. We're busy, we're working, we're raising the kids, we're at the footy, whatever it is. And then as I'm talking and I'm explaining this, the sparkles start to die down. And eventually it goes what? It goes completely out. And at that point, I say, you know, this is like at seven or eight o'clock at night. The body's natural cycle is slowing down at this time in readiness for us to go to sleep so that we can replenish and repair and rejuvenate. And the digestive fire that cooks our food is also going to sleep at this time. It's going out because all our body's resources want to be diverted away from the digestive system to the cells and the tissues of the body to establish the memories of the day and to clear out the sludge and the toxins and the wastes from the channels of the brain so we wake up with alertness and focus and clarity and to 
clear the channels of the um, cardiovascular system and, you know, repair the joints. And, and when we have a lighter meal at night or we don't have so much food or even we intermittent fast on occasions where we just give the body a rest from having to digest food, all that energy and resource, which about 75% of our body's energy actually goes to digestion, if we can give it a break or a rest occasionally, all that energy goes to the cells and helps to basically clean house, you know, to get rid of those toxins and those impurities and things that have gotten into parts of the body that they shouldn't be in it. And so overnight when we sleep, all our internal resources are going towards that goal of rejuvenation. So then we will wake up naturally fresher, clearer, lighter, more energised to exercise as opposed to the big, heavy, you know, three-course meal where we finish at 9 o'clock at night and you have a bit of ice cream at the end of it or a bit of chocolate mousse and a few beers and, and then we wonder why we don't sleep so well and we wake up, up heavy. So um, it's, a, it's a tough one to change that routine. So I generally like to get people just to start once a week, you know, just one night a week if that's not your normal routine. Maybe it's a Monday night or a... Thursday night, you just pick something that suits your lifestyle or your family's lifestyle, and it's just eat light at night, night, or it's don't have dinner night, you know, and just see how you feel the next day, and then as that becomes sort of comfortable and easy, gradually integrate it a bit more into your your routine as it as it suits. So, so dad in the nursing home in the morning, waking up, having a cup of tea, breakfast, then morning tea, then lunch, then afternoon tea, then dinner, then supper. Um, you know, he's going to bed with scones and jam and cream in his belly with a cup of tea on top of it. And then he's getting up in the morning and he's like just totally knackered and then he's doing it all again. So I can see how his mental health has uh, declined in that environment. Yeah, I, I, I sort of laugh. I don't mean to laugh in that way because it's, it's really unfortunate in many ways. But yeah, it's a classic, you know, nursing homes. It's just, I think... Unfortunately, because often it's the case that there's not much to do in nursing homes. You know, as we get older, you know, we're less agile, we're, we can't get outside and play sport and things like we used to. So, you know, what else is there to do other than eat food? But, yeah, eating six times a day um, is not generally the uh, the ideal for, for health unless we're eating really, really small meals. So, um, yeah. It's an interesting one. Yeah, less activity and uh, obviously lots, lots of stimulation from fluoro lights and uh, not a hell of a lot of fresh air as much as usual. And obviously there's going to be a, a decline in the nervous system to sort of shut down a little bit. And I can just see that's an example of what's going on there. And it's probably pretty similar to the, the you know someone that's in hospital for an extended period of time. They're not getting sunlight and they're probably getting overfed as well. And their bodies are trying to uh, to heal them, but they're obviously having to deal with a lot of food as well. Definitely, yeah. And I, I think I really hope that uh, I think things are slowly shifting around, you know, with the raising awareness of the importance of, you know, natural light and sunlight and being connected to nature in some way, getting more sort of plants indoors in hospitals and nursing homes and even just, you know, nice pictures on the walls and mm. a bit of colour and, you know, think of our hospitals, they're so stark and sort of cold and sort of sanitised and I think eventually we'll get ones where, you know, one, the food's a bit fresher and healthier, promoting health, um, and two, there's just a bit more sort of colour and the thing in them, so, um, which will help as well, but yeah, wherever we can get natural light and fresh air and all these things are obviously really important uh, as well. Yeah, getting getting food, I believe, if someone's uh, mentally unbalanced or they're physically unbalanced, getting food that's got prana and life force in them will just give them some rejuvenation rather than food that's, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is dead, as you mentioned before. And I guess there's lots, lots of work to be done in that space with regards to educating people that, um, you know, if they're not feeling well mentally, having some food that actually gives them a bit of a, a spark rather than a coffee, which will give them a quick fix, uh, hit their adrenals really hard, but then they'll decline smarter options around, uh, you know, maybe foods that have got a higher pH might be worth uh, considering rather than foods that have got a lower pH. Would you agree? 
Yeah, definitely, which is, um, again, it's uh, practicalities, but when people are in those situations, if they're lucky enough to have loved ones or relatives that come and visit them, then the ideal is that they uh, get their food <laughs> brought in by by those people that, you know, better chance that it's been cooked fresh and maybe made with a bit of love rather than the, mm. the sort of... Uh, the stuff that they would otherwise get. The other, the other really important thing with all of this is, in, in nursing homes, we're getting older. You know, as people get older, they go into a more a, a stage of life which is more airy predominant, and so the amount of food that they need actually also declines. You know, we don't need as much food as when you're a young baby and you need, you know, nourishment to grow a whole human body. When you're 25 and you're a you know really busy business person or a father or a mother or an athlete, then you need a lot of food to drive your body. But when we get older, we don't need so much. And so, and in hospitals, we're sick. And if you observe nature, any animal, when they're sick, they'll do two things: they'll rest and they'll fast. Mm. And fasting basically is another form of resting. As we said, 75% of our body's resources goes to digesting food. When we're sick, we need all that energy to be diverted to whatever part of the body needs healing. And so naturally, we don't feel like eating so much when we're not well. We've all experienced it. You know, you get really sick, you're home with a um, fever, and uh, what do you do? You don't feel like eating you know just have a little bit of soup or you'll sip water or and so this is just honoring that point we started with the body's wisdom you know so again it's really we need to go the other way and actually lightening up the food and that's people are in hospital and the food's no good then they can maybe uh, just do a bit of fasting for a while and uh, it's probably a, a good thing for them anyway certainly uh challenge to try and get the uh hospital kitchen to understand that too um, so to be able to <laughs> maybe have family to bring you in juices or do do something that actually uh is it's probably more aligned it's it's tricky in the medical system to be able to make those changes i guess but hopefully having these conversations yeah. it'll spark some more interest and uh and maybe um encourage some some people to take some autonomy um you know so they, they're not ending up in, in hospital as often but also having the ability to be able to be sort of uh, aware if someone, um, you know, is not, not sort of doing so well, you know, there might be an imbalance uh, that's, be, that's causing that. And there's lots of people in, in um, well, you know, with mental health issues out there um, that, uh, that haven't got much awareness or consideration around their diet. And I guess um, making some changes and understanding your body type would be a tremendous way of... Um, uh, of doing that, Mark. I think also um, it would be great for, for people listening out there if they want some more advice to this to be able to touch base with you. What's the best way to do that? Uh, they can just jump on my website, which is markbun, B-U-N-N.com.au. Uh, so that general website will have everything from books to sort of online programs and sort of corporate talks and things I do. Um, if they also, if they wanted specific information on that topic we've discussed in terms of, you know, how to understand their body type a bit more, um, they can go to the podcast um, page and one of the early podcasts I did, probably about number four or something, um, I did a, a, a long podcast on body type and how to sort of know your particular body type and what sort of foods and work and relationships um, a balancing for those and uh, on there there's a link um, also on the blog I think um, to a written article on it all too so um, they can yeah, jump around on the markbun.com.au and uh, and get anything from there if they're uh, interested. Terrific mate, uh, it's interesting I've got a carton of oat milk, organic oat milk on my table here and I'm looking at it and it says made in Sweden <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're talking about yeah. uh, Talking about getting, uh, you know, milk from the cow that's getting uh, carted all around the place to get here. Well, this is this is oat milk. That, that's a healthier option, obviously, uh, for my body. Um, and uh, I don't have it often, but sometimes I do. And I just, yeah, I thought it was the best on the market, but I actually see it's made in Sweden. So 
something for people to be aware of to try and you know source locally as much as they possibly can and um, you know give um, give their body food that's got more prana and uh, and life force in it rather than sort of taking it the other way so uh, I'm grateful that you may be aware of that while we've uh, had this conversation mate because I wouldn't have paid attention to that previously otherwise no absolute pleasure buddy and uh, it's uh, I think that the final point probably just to make note of is, is it is really challenging for, for all of us you know you've just made an example for yourself and I find it really challenging too when you you know you're busy and you're in our modern life, it's impossible to do everything right in terms of these, you know, high prana foods and eating according to your body type. And well, my thing is just, you know, for people listening, don't to, don't stress about it. You know, we're all doing the best we can. Just try and make little changes towards things. But um, more important, and I've learnt this the hard way with people close to me and even myself in terms of my own health journey. You know, we can get too too serious about trying to do everything right in terms of diet and we actually create more stress than, um, <laughs> than, we, than we should have so yeah. I think the traditional culture wisdom is they they enjoy their life you know there's that sort of simplicity of life and yes they're lucky that they've got natural foods near them but we just need to do our best to make small changes individually and then collectively try and um, do that as well so um, yeah. but keep life fun keep it enjoyable and um, nothing more important than that yeah appreciate it well said mate I really uh Really appreciate your, your wisdom and, and your ability to be able to keep it simple for everyone uh, to understand this sort of stuff. So really encourage people listening to jump on your website and, and check out what their body type may be, get some information around that and, and touch base with Mark if you um, you know want some extra guidance or advice. So really appreciate you being here, mate. And um, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll stay nice and warm down there in Melbourne. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, good uh, good help to all your listeners and um, congrats again on your Mental Health Award nomination and good luck with it. <laughs> good on you, mate. Guys, thank you very much. Mark's uh, very, very uh, inspirational and inspiring. Uh, inspirational and inspiring is two words. Well, the one word, same word. Uh, educated uh, man with regards to this sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, just check, uh, you know, I really... Um, uh, invite you to check out what he does um, there's lots in what he talks about that we don't actually understand we've, we've, we've never learnt this stuff so it's new and if you are in, um, inquisitive you know really really follow up what your body type actually is and what's uh, what can come from that um, <clears throat> with regards to <clears throat> pardon me your physical and mental health there's a, a lot more to it that meets the eye that's for sure so if you'd like to touch base with me, contact support at outbackmind.com.au or just the website outbackmind.com.au. Thanks very much. Got some awesome guests coming up soon. So looking forward to getting uh, more and more valuable content out there. And I hope that you can share this with uh, with people in your uh, your environment and family and friends because uh, there's lots of uh, wisdom through the people that are coming on to share their, their knowledge and experience. Thanks very much. Cheers.